Hi guys, welcome back. Thank you for joining me again. I know it's been a long time, but I promise it is worth the wait as I interview the keyboard player, an extremely cool guy for Sigrid today. A little free advertising as always uh, for output.com. They make incredible, incredible stuff. Check them out. Also, Ray-Ban sunglasses. My wife just got me some because she's the best. Love them. Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. Charles, thank you very much. Dead giveaway. Wikipedia is the best thing ever. Anyone in the world can write anything they want about any subject. So you know you are getting the best possible information. Sometimes okay, I'll start a sentence. Cool. One, and I don't even know where it's going. Two, I just hope three. I find it along the way. Okay, well, welcome back uh, to Ableton Cast. Today, I've got a really special guest. Uh, it's a guy I've been following for quite a while. I can't quite pronounce his last name, but I'm going to try. His name's <laughs> Martin uh, Vignet. Uh, that's not quite the right pronunciation, but I'll let him say oh, it. That was good. Yeah. Uh, Very good. <laughs> so, anyways, I have been following yeah Martin for quite some time, and I first um, first kind of uh, came to discover him as he was playing keyboards uh, with the artist Sigrid, and yeah, just blown away. This guy, his fingers are literally magic on the keyboard. He's such a, a an amazing musician. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a real pleasure to have him on the show today, just to kind of talk about his background playing piano and sort of his, his journey from, from the beginning to now and his sort of experience with the Ableton as well. So Martin, welcome to the show and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I thought maybe we could just start, um, on, on how you got started playing with Sigrid. So how did that all come about? It was actually uh, quite quite natural. Like before I played with her, I actually played with her brother for like five years. Oh, uh, okay. She comes from met, a musical mm, family, right? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, uh, I met her brother on, on like a random party really in, in, in Bergen while we were both studying. And we, he's, he told me like, oh yeah, I'm an artist and I play some music and stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay, maybe we should try to play together. So that I was kind of his first band member. And then we kind of went from there and we played sometimes in Olsen. And then Sigurd was still in, in college. So I kind of met her, but didn't, you know, you really think about it. She was just like Telef's little sister. Yeah. Uh, but then she moved to Bergen after college. And, and kind of wanted a band. So uh, she called me and asked if we could uh, have a coffee. And I suggested some band members for her. That was like more her age. And like, I thought would like fit also socially. Yeah. And, and then they had like one gig, I think, with the, with the management. I'm not really sure what, what was, what was going on with the management. weren't really happy with the band. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Is this the band that you sort of picked out for her or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And kind of. Um, and the keys player got offered to play with, uh, with a different artist. So she, she did that. And then suddenly they needed a, a keyboard player. 
so then the people I've kind of uh, suggested su suggested me back, and that's kind of how it started, I guess. So Sigurd just called me one day and asked if I wanted to like join the band, and I was like, "Sure, why not?" Yeah. Now at that because she oh so at that point, and I don't know much about the Norway scene. I've never been to Norway. I've always wanted to. I've heard it's absolutely beautiful. But is there is there a big music scene? in Norway, I guess in, in, in Bergen particularly where you guys were at the time. Yeah, Bergen is a really, really good music city because for its size, because Bergen is like, it's really small. It's 300,000 people. It's not, not a lot, but uh, it, it's, it's a very good music scene there. Yeah. A lot of bands, a lot of studios, a lot of like rehearsal spaces and it's like very creative. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm guessing it must be quite rare for an artist, you know, to actually like sort of break through sort of like worldwide, like Sigrid did, or are there many artists who have done that from, from Norway as well to sort of break through and have that sort of worldwide success? There is some, aha did it with the take on me. Yes. But that's sometimes <laughs> time ago now, I guess. Yeah. Um, and there's probably some others as well, but I'm I don't really know. No, so it, it's not very normal. No, absolutely not. Yeah, it's quite it's quite rare. It is. So at the time that you joined Sigrid's band, w was she signed to anybody, or was she just in that process I, of? I think she had signed uh, to a management in Bergen called Made. Yeah, she still is. Um, but that was it, I think. So no record label. Yeah. No, not yet. Like, like we, we, I think I got asked in like June or July and then we like rehearsed and then we were going to do like a, a showcase festival in Bergen in September. And after that, she got signed, I think. Okay. So you were kind of with her right, right from the beginning, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I didn't play on the f absolutely first gig, but after that, yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow, and so how many years ago was that that you started? Oh, I think it's like two and a half now. Yes. I tried the other day, actually, but I think it's something like that. Yeah, I think it was like the... Um, let me, I can actually check in my calendar. I think it was like uh, September 2016, perhaps? Yeah, sure. That makes, yeah, something like that. I think. Yeah. So, what what's your experience been like? Because I think a lot of uh, a lot of younger people out there would love to play with with a with a bigger artist. Um, so, do you have any advice for sort of younger people who um, you know who were sort of like dreaming about playing with, with a bigger artist? And just any advice on what it's actually like and you know, some things that they need to kind of do to try and set themselves up if they want to possibly be in that position of playing? Uh, I'm not sure if I can give any good advice on that because I, like, totally stumbled into it myself. Like, my intention was never to, like, be a session musician for a successful pop artist. Yeah. <laughs> like, ever. So, uh, but I don't know. I, I think the, it's probably a cliche, but, like, um be good come to come on time like be on time to every rehearsal know everything you're supposed to know uh be a nice person like yeah that's like 
the fundamentals for all kind of music, I yeah, think. Like people had you on a gig and want to call you again, then that's that's how it works kind of. Yeah. Yeah, no. I think like with a major artist that's mostly pretty random. I think some some like in the US and shit they have like auditions for that. Yeah. But it's like in Europe it seems mostly that it, it works that like you know somebody who knows somebody who thinks you're a nice guy. Yeah. And like that's how you get the gig. Yeah. That it, it's funny that I mean obviously you do have to be good on your instrument, but the the kind of bigger part is I think being a nice person and being a joy yeah, joy, joy to hang out with because I think a lot of people sort of forget when you're when you're touring you know playing playing music is kind of like the smallest part of of the whole role it's maybe sort of 10% of the actual day the other bits are just sort of hanging around whether it be yeah the rest of the day you just have to like hang out and that's that's when it like matters the most because if you're a doesn't help if you're like a brilliant musician if you're a fucking dickhead 90 <laughs> yeah. percent of the time yeah so uh i guess i don't know if this can even be counted as advice to be honest but uh yeah yeah so it sounds like you've really you were with her really for kind of the whole journey like most of it yeah. so you sort of at the same time that she was sort of getting success it was really taking you on a on a bit of a ride mm-hmm. around the world too is yeah absolutely yeah do you have any 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 highlights from from your time playing with sigrid oh highlights yeah i have some i have like the first time we ever played roskilde uh, it's a festival in denmark which is quite like uh, a big thing in in Scandinavia, maybe not for the rest of the world. No, but I have seen for us, I've seen videos yeah. on YouTube. Of yeah, it. for us that was like a huge gig. We were like, oh my god, Roskilde, that's crazy. And then we had a really bad slot. We, I think we played like twelve in the morning or something. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, so we were like, oh yeah, there's not going to be that many people probably, and the weather was shit. And we were like, ah oh, yeah, maybe this isn't going to be like amazing. But then it was like packed. Like a lot of people were there, and we got just like super shocked. Like shit, all those people came to see us. Yeah, I've actually I've that seen was- I've seen videos like on YouTube of you guys playing there. So I think I I know. The whole thing is on on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I I know I know which sort of particular one you're talking about because I think you guys played it a couple years. Is that right? Yeah, we played it uh, last year as well. Yeah, so two years in a row. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really cool. Now, another thing that I'm quite interested in, as as I'm a keyboard player as well, is um, is what your your keyboard set, what your keyboard setup is, and it looks like um, for most of the videos, it looks like you're always playing some sort of a, some sort of a Nord, and then. A profit six, is that right? Yeah, that's that's right. Some sort of a Nord is a good uh, <laughs> good description. <laughs> I used to have a Nord Electro six five D for for like quite a long time, yeah. and I really liked it. Only thing that annoyed me was that it didn't have like a synth engine. It just has a sampler. Yeah. So it got a bit. It felt a bit. 
it was like limiting my my uh, palate a bit because the profit is great, but it you can it's very hard to make it sound like anything but a profit six. Sure, you can't really make it, or maybe yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm not just so good at like making uh, sounds on that synth, but uh, it's I I found it really hard to make it. You can't make it sound like a digital sleek nice uh pad kind of vibe it's just super fat no matter what you do yeah so i kind of a, a different synth engine as well so so now i got the uh stage tree instead yeah which has like a synth engine of the nord lead or something like that i think yeah just nice nice because then i could get those kind of uh things out of it from as as well yeah like for example Paul Sigrid has this song called Nevermind. He has like this really, uh, really heavily um, side-chained pad thing going on in the chorus, which would like be very, very difficult to like create on the Prophet. Yeah. On, on that stage, that was like really easy. Oh. Also, the Prophet has, has a lot of like, it sounds really good, but like the MIDI implementation in it is really terrible. Sure. I hope hope these eyes and listening to this but uh but it, it's awful like it doesn't sync at all it syncs to the tempo but not to the beat mm. so which makes like all the lfo stuff you do on that you can't really sync it sure. properly yeah eventually i just had to like give up and like all the stuff i played on it was just like pure pure no like lfo stuff because that would just be out of sync and sound really bad yeah sure that's also good with the Nord boards that the like the MIDI implementation is much better, so they they actually like synced properly. Yeah, which which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I've um I've watched a few videos, different videos of you guys playing. Um, don't kill my vibe. Uh, sorry, yeah, don't kill my vibe live, and I love the prophet sound that you use like this on the sort of intro i think it's like you use a bit of like a pad sound profit pad sound on yeah. the intro of that and i just think that sounds mm -hmm. amazing love yeah thank you i like it too like i think that's one of the things that the profit does really well like this kind of pad with a lot of noise on and yeah. it, it sounds really um analog i guess yeah exactly is that sound that sound can can you sort of think about how you came up with that sound was that sort of come from some presets that you tweaked heavily or did you just kind of start from scratch mm, I, oh, that's, that's a hard one it's, I, it's like two and a half years since i made yeah, it sure um, that's okay i think uh, i kind of just like when i got it i started like knobbing around with it and like testing what and then and then there, there is this producer in, in Bergen called Aschel. Yeah. Uh, which had like some stuff out already with like a different artist. And I listened a bit to his scene. I was like, wow, this is kind of nice. Like I like the a lot of noise thing that makes it sound kind of like crackly and old yeah. and weird. Um, so I, I guess I kind of had some inspiration from his stuff. But then I... Because on the record, there's a piano there, actually, uh, on that part in the actual song that's on Spotify. There's not the, the, that synth isn't there, but I, we kind of wanted to make it a bit different live. Yeah, that's why I went with a with like a, a synth sound instead 
Um, I'm not really sure if that was a good explanation, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that's totally fine. It, yeah. it would be hard for me to recall sounds that I had created two years ago as well. So that, that's fair enough. But thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, also want to say, I love, uh, I love the sounds, um, that, that I've heard of you playing, um, dynamite with sacred, uh, the sounds that you've used in both, like not only the sounds, but the way that you play that, uh, it's just absolutely beautiful oh wow thank you thank you so much absolutely yeah it's amazing and i would i must think that that would be um a great song to play you know and hear you know sort of uh hundreds or thousands of people sing it back with you yeah it was was quite special uh in march we were warming up for george esra on the tour in in the uk yeah and when we came to the O2, and uh, we we played uh, Dynamite, and everybody started like you know lighting their cell phones. That was the first time I like actually experienced that. It was very much uh, quite the moment, yeah, yeah. But it is a nice song. I like it too. Yeah. So I have a bit of a funny funny question. I I might cut this okay. cut this out of the podcast because it'll make me look really silly, but. I know she's like she's saying, but just know that I'm a dynamite. So I'm just wondering, it's like, what is she? I'm never sure. What is she like? Sort of like implying that she's like ready to blow up in that song. Like the guy is the mountain, but she she can like. I I don't really. That's know. That's what I was trying to feel. I was like, I th- I feel like I sort of get it, but I was like, I know she's not threatening to blow up this guy, <laughs> but. Also, too, it's like I don't know what the dynamite means in it, but it's it's such a beautiful song, and I absolutely love it. And I, I think yeah, you played incredibly. Thank you, thank you. It's funny you say that because uh, front of house have been giving me a hard time because he thinks like I'm. It's like too much piano stuff happening. He wants it to be like simpler. But uh, yeah, I, I like it too. I like it when there's like. A, I, I like it when a duo is like conversation yeah. between. The, instruments yeah because i think um people will probably arrest me for this but i think like in a lot of like pop stuff like the arrangement is like it's too boring it's too simple like the music could be uh could be like i don't know more interesting also in the like the arrangement like what the piano does stuff like that yeah uh so uh kind of try to to do that, I guess. Yeah. So that that particular song, Dynamite. I guess, it, is is it mainly just you, you and her vocals? So would you just have like a just a click in your ears for that song? No, we never played it on click. Actually. Yeah. So you just do that sort of like free, click free. Yeah. I'm not sure if you noticed, but we we tend to like rush and slow quite a bit. Oh, nice. Like always there's like some points in the song we would always go like slower because that would be like uh i don't know i don't really i think like yes for some music maybe you want like a a click but for like music is dynamic yeah. also tempo actually yeah sure even though a lot of people don't really realize that like if you play a ballad it's actually going to be quite static if it's especially if you're only piano and voice then you can really do what you want and it will feel more like less static if you don't like have like the absolute same tempo for the whole thing yeah do you ever get nervous playing playing that song 
feeling really exposed as it's just you're the only instrument playing in front of thousands of people and normally no because normally i'm, I'm just like just, i don't really think about it i just like focus on on her and what she does and what i do and like try to make it the best possible it happened a couple of times there was like one i don't remember where it was but there was one gig i, I had like a total brain fart i just forgot like what key it was in yeah. like in the middle oh, no. i don't think it was a gig i think it was like a radio thing uh, and I just had a total brain for that. I forgot what key it, it, the song was in, like in the middle of the song. <laughs> so I just stop and I'm like, fuck, fuck, oh, <laughs> But no, normally not. You know, like I've I played it so many times that eventually it just became like quite uh, automatic as well. Yeah, sure. So not, not that much pressure. Yeah, um, I had read that you were sort of Sigrid's musical director. Is that right? Uh, yeah, eventually. Like in the start, it was kind of a democracy, but after a while, we figured that we we kind of had to have some kind of hierarchy because otherwise things would be so difficult to like manage. Yeah. So I guess for like the last year or so i've like been the functioning md yeah yeah i just wondered if you could kind of like mention you know what what some of the sort of responsibilities are of a musical director and what what your experience has been like being a musical director for a, a band that's kind of playing massive shows massive tours wondering what what it's been like for you being the musical director you know for for a, a bigger artist and kind of like what your responsibilities have been as a musical director well the responsibility first and foremost is like it's the show it's like how the show sounds and if it goes well like if if something goes to hell then it's my fault <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of have to like make sure everything is like running smoothly yes. like all technically have you, have like, you had any shows that sort of did not go well um no not really we haven't had like any like total show stop crashes no we had a couple of incidents though um a couple of times where ableton has just like not responded sure so we had to do like a restart yeah uh but normally that it's it's very quick it's just like you know a couple of minutes so sigrid's just been telling some jokes and we continued yeah. Now, is this is this before? Because I think you, I think you have like a redundancy rig now. Um, yeah. Now it. But but before, <laughs> but before you didn't. You just had one one laptop running Ableton. Is that correct? Yeah. Eventually, I told the management like we need to get redundant rig because I'm not sleeping at night. Yes. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, this this is probably a great time to kind of start talking about your experience with Ableton. And sort of, yeah, whether it be, yeah, just when you got started. And I always love to hear kind of like, you know, stories of when things went really well and also when things didn't go so well using Ableton. Yeah, we kind of started uh, right off the bat. Like our first like official gig was that September, but then we had like a club show in February, I think, the next year. Yeah. So we, we kind of... We started with Ableton just from from the start. Really, we like we need something we can run our backing tracks on and and stuff like that. Uh, 
but at, I, it's actually quite funny. I opened the, our first Ableton session just by accident the other day, and holy fuck, it looks really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad, bad how so? Because that's also funny, because on that first ever gig for like normal people, we had the first thing that happened when we went on stage was that the Ableton crashed. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that was super stressful. Oh, no. Nightmare. But at that point, I was like, I didn't really understand properly how it worked. So I, I was running like some crazy soft synth stuff like Omnisphere or something in Ableton yeah. together with everything else. Yes. So, uh, so it was really not not so clever. It was after that, I, I asked if we could buy that profit because I wanted some hardware in case Ableton would crash. We would not be so dependent on it. Yes. So that's why the profit came into the being, really. <laughs> oh, great. So now, is the profit yours or would the profit be owned by kind of Sigrid, ultimately? It's owned by her. Yeah. All the stuff is owned by her, actually, now. Like, the Nord Electro first was mine, but the Sage I, she bought, like made more sense if it only used in her project and it made more sense for her to own it as well yeah yeah sure um okay well back to the ableton stuff yeah so you're you're talking about the first time that you kind of do this club tour with with um with sigrid and you get on stage and it immediately crashes (laughs) which isn't a great start yeah, that was, uh, was great. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I meant I'm, I'm guessing you managed to sort of restart it, and then it everything worked okay for the rest of the show. Yeah, actually, uh, it it did work okay. I was super stressed and was like watching the CPU meter and everything like for a whole rest of the show, but the show went really well. Like the gig was actually very good. <laughs> so uh, so it it was was okay. Yeah, but apart from that, we haven't really had. Yeah, we had a couple of crashes, but that's it. Yeah. So at, at what point did you start using a redundancy rig with Ableton as well? Um, that's actually quite funny because we've been we have been looking into that for a while, and then we were we I think we we had been playing somewhere in the Netherlands, and we were flying to Manchester to do a gig at uh, uh, fuck Park Life, I think. Okay. Um, and somehow, like, every single piece we had of luggage got lost on ship all. Oh, man. So we arrived at Park Life and we had, like, nothing. And normally that, that you know, it's fine because of, like, backline and shit like that. You can really get hold of on a festival as big as that. Yeah. But we, we also had then... Uh, like a, a MIDI setup for like uh, running running stuff in Ableton. Yes, yeah, sure. Like at that point, we had put all the samples, all like the drum samples and all of the bass stuff into Ableton and run it and run it on like uh, um, soft synth stuff instead. Yes. Okay. We ran the festival, had no rig, and we were like, "Fuck, what are we supposed to do?" So I had I had to make like a huge shopping list for the festival and then okay you have to go get us all this stuff otherwise we can't play wow so, <laughs> so what sort of stuff did they have to go get you uh like a midi hub yeah um some midi line drivers we at that point we were using like some kenton stuff which is like really nice but quite rare yeah, i was gonna ask you oh. about if i could quickly ask you what, what do you recommend midi line drivers do you recommend kenton or something else 
I haven't tried anything else than Canton, but Canton works Canton's good. fucking great. Yeah, I, I thought that was really good. I think we're actually still using that just on the drum to get all the signals from the drum set to to like the MIDI hub that used to be at my position. Yeah, yeah, we're actually still using a Canton driver for that. Uh, yeah, so all of that stuff, and like, of course, I couldn't get half of it, but accidentally, I, I, I had been talking to a, a, a marketing rep for a company called iConnectivity. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, like, had they have uh, a lot of MIDI stuff and MIDI hubs, and I knew he was at the festival, so I was like, I called him, like, okay, Bob, uh, <laughs> do you know any other band on this festival that has this kind of? I think I needed like a Mayo, uh, Mayo Four or something like that. It's one of their interfaces. And he was like, "Yeah, there's actually a backline tech on this stage that has a separate like a uh, extra." So I had to like run to the other side of the festival, grab that that extra card, and then like re reroute everything in Ableton to get it to work. Yeah. Um, and I think I was like finished like 20 minutes before we sh- started playing. Oh, wow, that sounds really stressful. Yeah, and then we had to run Ableton on my laptop because, of course, the laptops were also in the luggage, yes. so they were also gone, like the whole laptop. Yeah. It, yeah, I remember I, because we also had a sub on that show, and we had to run the Ableton with, like, a crazy high buffer size for it for not to crash, so, like, all, which makes everything very laggy. So all these samples were, like, super laggy. Like, it would hit it and it would, like, come a split second after the sound would be there. Oh, I see. And then we played the whole fucking show with that thing on the main stage. So that was... Uh, but it, it it worked. But I have to admit, like, my stress levels were pretty high before the gig. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Not for that. We were like, okay, we need a redundant rig and we need to bring that in our hand luggage so this never happens again. Yeah, it only takes once, doesn't it? only takes one time for that to happen to you, for you to sort of, you know, make that decision that, okay, we've, we must do things different and this can never happen again. Yeah, but that's been kind of cool with the Sigri project because none of us, like, the, the, like the, everyone that started, none of us really, like, had an experience from touring beforehand so we kind of learned together, learned together like, yeah. yeah yeah good so that that's that's been really nice it's been lots of like team effort yeah sure so so what what's the current ableton setup like now for for sacred i'm guessing it it's two laptops i'm assuming are are they fairly new macbook pros that you're using yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember which year, but maybe they're from last year or something. Yeah, yeah we're now we're used actually using two two laptops, and then we have uh, iConnectivity also has this super cool um, sound card called Play Audio Twelve, okay. which is basically built for being a redundant gig, okay, a redundant uh, uh, system. So you can just plug both laptops into the sound card and then you have like a plugin in Ableton that you install. And whenever that plugin stops, it, it just sends a sine wave. And whenever the sine wave stops, the the sound card will just pick up on that and sw- immediately switch to the other laptop. Yeah. Have, have you had any experience where one laptop did stop and the other kicked in? Uh, actually not in the show, I think. Um, but I, I tested it a lot of times before we like implemented yeah. it, and it, it does work really well. You can even set like, you can even even set 
how long the that note should be missing before uh, before the switch before, before the switch happens yeah so it's, it works really well so right now we have actually two of these because we needed more outputs than 12 that was on one card yeah so now we actually you can also connect them together so now we actually have two of them because we wanted some extra stuff in the monitoring, like the drummer wanted a separate click because he didn't like the one I, I made for him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we added some extra channels. Also this summer we added uh, like that the band does backing vocals, so we also needed like channels for that. Yeah. Um, um, and I think you run you run Massive as well for, for the bass downs in Ableton. Is that right? Yeah, actually we had... Um, we had uh, Joe Clegg and, and Simon Francis yep. from Ellie Golding over for a week. They they taught us that like they basically helped us set up a, a less retarded Ableton session. <laughs> and at that yeah, point, great. We started using using Massive for basses as well, which was actually kind of nice because before that we've been using like a Moog or something. Yes, but that meant that. Uh, the guitar player always had to play synth bass on all the synth bass songs. Yeah. But with this change to, to soft synth, I could also play bass, which I, I now used to do on like over half of the songs, which... Yeah, so would that be coming from, from the Nord when you were going to play bass on something? Is that how you would trigger that as well? It's really both. Yeah. It depends like on, on the song. I use, like you can also use the Prophet as a MIDI controller, oh, okay. so I, I kind of depending on what song but it, it was nice because then we could have more guitar and you know people love guitar yeah. guitar is like live live yeah sure it gives a shit about who the what the, like the synth guy do they don't know what he's doing anyway so uh, <laughs> better <more> guitar <laughs> yeah and um were you doing any sort of soft sense in in ableton as well or was it just a no, no. massive yeah i would program all the other sounds on the two boards yes just because it felt a bit safer as well. Like I, I know, like yes, you, if you run everything in in like softens, you can get stuff like very detailed and like very very like programmed. Yeah. But I kind of didn't like the risk of maybe okay, maybe we play at uh, Coachella and it's too fucking hot and both laptops die. Yeah. What do we do then? Yeah, sure. We have like every single instrument in there. So I kind of liked. I was kind of like the feeling of actually playing in a band. Yeah. Which you. If you have like actual instruments on stage, not just like MIDI controllers for everything, yeah, sure. That's something we've been very like um, focused on. That even though this was like a pop a commercial project, that it should feel like a live band. Yeah. So I guess that was also kind of part of that. Great. Now your last tour, I think, was with Maroon Five. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you you do realize how sort of crazy and ridiculous that says when when I say that your your last tour was with Maroon Five, one of the one of the biggest sort of pop bands out there. It's, yeah, I guess I guess I guess it is crazy. <laughs> I don't know, like, but yeah, yeah. I, I take it everything went well. It's a good experience. Uh, yeah, it was pretty much as expected. Like Americans aren't the uh, most pleasurable people to tour with, so we didn't really see much of the band. We just came out, you know, like on this kind of arena tour. You just you sleep in the bus. You can come to the venue, you have a shower, you have a couple of dressing rooms, hang out all day, sound check for half an hour, do the gig forty minutes, 
and then you repeat. Yeah. It's kind of kind of a quite repetitive thing, I would say. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it sounds um it sounds a lot more kind of glamorous than it than it can be on a day to day basis, right? Because it gets I've always had problems with that because people are like, Oh yeah, but aren't that like amazing? You did all this stuff. Yeah. And then a lot of times that stuff was just fucking stressful. And you don't really um, like, get to enjoy it that much almost because you're so stressed out no, about the no, show going well. No, like, for example, like an American TV show, like most of the shows we've done has just been like really fucking stressful. Mm. <laughs> um, but, you know, like people from the outside doesn't see that. They just see like, oh, they're on TV and that's fucking cool, yeah. which it is. Yeah, I think I watch you guys on James Corden. I think it was, yeah, was kind of like the Radio 1 uh yeah that's actually very that was funny because we before that we actually never played on a tv show before at all that was a really great performance you guys sounded wicked that that was yeah we were it was crazy we were just suddenly we were in flew into la and we we were like performing for the very first time on television on james gordon yeah well that sounded really good you're i think you played the prophet on that intro as well don't kill my vibe and yeah yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that was a yeah. really good performance, and I think I don't know. Maybe a lot of people don't realize it, but I think it's actually. It, you've probably heard a lot of bands on TV, and a lot of bands don't actually sound great on that sort of live performance. I think you can get away with a lot more mistakes in a live open air festival, but when it comes to playing on TV, it's not very forgiving. So if the singer's out of tune, or if the band's not playing great, you pick up on it quite quickly. But you guys sound awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I do agree. TV is like the most unforgiving, like. Um performance thing you do really yeah absolutely it's because you can't really like if you do something like there's also a limit of how many times you can do it like on that kind of show they will maybe let you do it twice yeah but if you want more than two times then they're going to get really like annoyed yeah so you really only have like actually you pretty much only have like you have to nail it on the first try yeah <laughs> so it's uh yeah but thank you i guess that's also because they have a really good technicians at those kind of shows which they like mix it and make it sound really really good yeah and so on the shows like that you you wouldn't have a chance to sort of touch the audio afterwards it, it was just no, once no. you're done it just goes out if, if we're lucky we can like normally we would be going into like the control room to talk to their tech afterwards and like listen back and like okay yeah i think maybe maybe we could do something like that and but it's it's quite tricky thing with the TV shows because um, I actually been thinking about that because ideally you should have a, a TV show setup and then like a live setup because a PA and TV is two very different things. Yeah, sure. We tune all our stuff for a PA, but then we come into a TV show and it turns out oh yeah, but this is kind of unbalanced because on the PA. Uh, you you get like more much more bass for example so the bass is like actually very low compared to other stuff in the studio yeah so we so th- that's that's a tricky thing because you think you have everything like sorted out and everything's like fucking balanced and great and then you come into the like a tv session and you realize like shit my nord is like 
10 dB too loud. Uh, I see. So that's 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 quite quite tricky. But I guess that's how it is. We don't like. I don't think anyone have time to have like a pre-production just to do like a TV performance. Yeah, sure. So that's I guess that's where the good technicians from from like the different TV channels comes in. I guess. Yeah. Well, again, and as you say, you were just all kind of learning, learning on the on on the fly together. You know. Of, yeah. You, you don't know until you've done a TV show on kind of what it requires, but. I think it's nice nice for people to be aware that there are some differences from playing, you know, live to actually playing, you know, for, you know, a TV broadcast. It's also a bit, because, you know, like on a TV broadcast, you don't often, well, sometimes you have an audience, but often you have not. So it is very strange to, like, give a good performance to a wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Because the wall doesn't really give enough any energy back <laughs> yeah absolutely not bit uh, weird yeah absolutely not so um i know that you said uh, you know you've you've been playing with sacred for a few years and now mm -hmm. that time has come to an end and i wondered what is coming up next next for you next for me is a fucking long holiday because <laughs> you you've been going for <laughs> You've been pushing quite hard for quite a while, haven't you, with the Sigrid team? Yeah, pretty much been going non-stop for like two and a half years now. Yeah. So I'm going to take a long break and after that start maybe figuring out what I want to do next, I guess. Yeah. But I think I think I, I, I really like the producing like live stuff. It's very cool when you can like sit in the studio like... Uh, that's how we've been making our live versions. Like I've sit in the studio and like make some ideas of okay, maybe we should do it like this, like this, and then send it to Sigrid. She's like, oh yeah, maybe, uh, maybe a little less of this and that. that. Um, and I, I really enjoy like that kind of work. Yeah. So I, I hope like future I might be able to like do more of that. Yeah. Because for example, on the song "Side of You," which has like on the rec record, it has like a lot of strings. Yes. But we, we tried to, like, tone them down a bit for the live part because, you know, like, nobody's going to believe someone is playing these strings because there's no string instruments here, right? Yeah, sure. So we kind of made it into more of, like, a guitar song instead. Like, that kind of stuff I find really interesting. So I hope I can maybe do more of it in the future. But, yeah, first just um, some days off, defo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think, um, you know, can you sort of just... Uh kind of take the next few months uh, to just kind of relax really and sort of figure out what comes next? Or are you feeling a, a pressure to get into something else? No, absolutely not. I'm right now I'm 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 cool. I don't need to do anything for a while, I think. Yeah. But I do have I do have like some projects, but it's not like a lot. I have like a commission from a string orchestra in Norway, so I'm gonna compose a bit and write on that and do some arrangement like some other stuff good well i just wanted to give you a chance to kind of like you know plug yourself and really just tell anybody uh out there how they can sort of like follow you and sort of like stay connected with you and sort of follow follow your journey from this point on oh follow me follow you um yeah well i have a website martinvinjay.no which I try to update quite regularly with like stuff I'm doing or I like have a you can see all the gigs I'm doing and all that kind of stuff and I also have an Instagram which is 
Oh, fuck. Let me see here. It's Martin Vinch, just with not an E at the end. Okay. I'm really bad at updating that, but if you want to follow it, then go ahead. I mostly call random shit there, to be honest. <laughs> but, yeah, I've uh, seen some good pictures. <laughs> if anyone thinks it's interesting, yeah, that's it. It's M-A-R-T-I-N-V-I-N-J. Cool. Well, thank you again, Martin, for your time. And yeah, really, um, really appreciate you. I've I've been chatting back and forth to you over the last few months and you've been really helpful to me personally, just giving me sort of advice on gear to use live. And, um, you've just been yeah, a really shit. nice guy. I'm, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, there we go. Another episode done. Thank you so much for for joining me, guys. And uh, I will try and have the next one out a little bit quicker than this one. But yeah, thanks for hanging in there. Uh, any questions, just let me know. My email has changed recently. So for anybody who wants to email me, uh, it's Mr. Kevin Swartwood at gmail.com. The last name does stump people, so the last name is S W A R T Wood at gmail.com, and Mr. is just M R K E V I N. Uh, so let me know if you have any questions, and we'll go from there. But thank you so much.
everybody for more Secret, please go to Apple Music. And we'll be right back. That was great. Oh, my God.